delayed gratification for us in this process looked like my husband leaving a six-figure job. It looked like, you know, my children homeschooling. There was a lot of sacrifice in the in the beginning, but we were fine with the delayed gratification because we knew and we know deeply are convicted around the impact this is going to make in the world and where it's going to go as a household name. Hi, Offscripters. It's your host, Sewa Ajay Pele, and welcome to episode 137 of the She's Offscript podcast. This is a show where we hear and learn from women who've created unique blueprints for their business success. My hope is that you'll hear their stories and translate their gems into a unique path for yourself. In today's episode, we meet W.E. De Cruz, who's the co-founder of Cruz Burgers. While on a business trip to Malawi, Africa, the local cuisine inspired her to create a mushroom-based burger. When she got back home to Detroit, she went to work on a recipe and, well, you'll hear the rest from W.E. herself. During our conversation, W.E. walks us through how she and her husband went from a recipe to a fully-fledged food product business. We talked about how they got the right licenses and equipment, how they're marketing and finding partners, how much money it took to get this far, and so much more. But before we hear the rest of W.E.'s episode, I would love it if you could subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts. This will help to spread the word about our podcast so stories like W.E.'s can continue to inspire women looking to launch their own off-script journeys. With that, let's go off-script with the co-founder of Cruise Burgers, W.E. De Cruz. W.E. DeCruz, welcome to She's Off Script. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So for anyone who hasn't heard of you or Cruz Burgers, could you share who you are and what you do? Absolutely. My name is W.E. DeCruz. And the question I always get is, what does W.E. stand for? So it's Wendy Ekua DeCruz. I am a global tech digital entrepreneur. First started out building e-commerce and mobile applications through my company, VGC Group, really with the goal of increasing revenue online for companies, businesses, uh, with special specific focus in Africa. Most recently, my husband and I just launched a plant-based burger patty called Cruise Burgers, which the VGC Group has built all the technical, you know, email funnels and automations for, but really excited because this was something that I wouldn't say I had planned for in life, but definitely a venture that has so much purpose and meaning for what we plan to do in the community. And that's really been my focus is building that up and we go live very soon. And that is what I want to hear all about because it's great to hear from people who are right in the midst of it. So you get to see what are you feeling? What are you thinking almost in the moment? So taking it back, you already had a business that was thriving that you're building. Why then start a second venture? Yeah, it was funny. I was actually on a trip. I was in Malawi and Uganda for my digital tech company. We build e-commerce, like I said. And in this particular place, we had gotten a $20,000 grant, about $20,000 to travel to Uganda and Malawi to help entrepreneurs build businesses online so that they could increase their export sales, you know, sell their products around the world. But during that time, I had also started a Daniel's Fast with my family Top of the year, we always have like Daniel's fast just to anchor ourselves spiritually and what God's getting ready to do for that year. And a Daniel's fast is when you don't eat any meat. And so although the Daniel's fast was over, we started in January, it was over before I had left that February 8th. My husband had challenged us to continue the Daniel's fast 
you know, indefinitely. And so I took on the challenge when I was in Malawi and Uganda, I had to start looking for different alternatives. You know, when you're in Africa, like meat is a staple in dishes. Right. But thank God I was in East Africa and which has a lot of uh, influences, you know, in spices and Indian food and things like that. So I found myself eating like samosas and I was in a, in a hotel in Malawi and I remember it. Actually, in fact, I was in Uganda and I almost gave up on my fast because I couldn't find food to eat. And I was tired of eating like potatoes. My business partner, who's also very spiritual as well, she says, W.E., you better stick to your fats and stop playing. Don't touch that fish. I was like, okay, we'll eat it. (laughs) So she convicted my whole heart, girl, convicted my whole heart. So I was like, fine. A few days later, we fly to Malawi. We get into this really beautiful hotel. And on the menu, I saw this chickpea meatball dish chickpea, like a meatball dish. I mean, I had chickpeas and I'm just, I, don't, I don't cook like that at home. So I tried it and it was so good. So it was so delicious. So knowing me, the WE that I am, I love to make unreasonable requests of people. Like you just got to learn how to make unreasonable requests. Right. So I call up, I call down to the reception and I ask like, can I talk to the chef? They're like, okay, who was this? <laughs> who was this guest? Trying to talk to the chef. And I had this crazy idea. Like if you can turn that same meatball into a a burger patty, then maybe I can have a burger just to kind of change it up while I'm here, you know, in Malawi for a while. So the chef, he said, yes, I can. He took that chickpea meatball and made it into the most amazing plant-based, bean-based, veggie-based burger patty. I was in love. I was in love. And it kept me all of my trip in Malawi. And so I said to myself, I said, you know, when I get back, I have to bring this dish to my family because we're on this Daniel's fast. We need some more, you know, we need some more dishes, you know, to so that we don't just eat, we're not just eating salad all day. And I came home so excited. This is right before COVID hit in America. So I had already known about COVID going on globally because I was reading the news and articles. And so we were like, just fortunate to make it back in time before the U.S. closes borders, before South Africa closed their borders. So I get back and we're all home. We're stuck home, COVID, children are homeschooling now. And I try to recreate this chickpea dish, but I ran out of chickpeas and I had mushrooms. And I've always known that like, okay, mushrooms could, you know, like kind of maybe stick it together. I can maybe like mince it or do something. And so I was like, let me just try some mushrooms and just doctor this up a little bit. And I made it and my husband was like, yo, babe, this is so good. And I'm like, me? I'm like, okay. I was so excited that he thought it was so good because I'm not, I'm really not the one. You don't, when you think of food, you don't think of go to WE to cook, like cook for you. Like, you don't, you don't, (laughs) you don't think of that. So I was so excited. And that's how it started. My husband thought it was so good. And he said, let's take it to market. I'm like, what? Just like that. I promise you, my husband said, let's, let's just take this. I think he's like, let's take it to market. I think the market would need this because you were thinking about the scarcity in, in the meat market during COVID. Yeah. We're thinking about people having compromised immune systems. We're looking at all the pain points that are happening in this specific time period. And this veggie plant-based burger could potentially address some of these issues. And the entrepreneurs that we are, I said, okay, but he led the way. I mean, he did all the research to find out how to get the food license here in Michigan. You know, it, it, it was birthed out of a trip and out of a Daniel's fast, but my husband led the way when it came to figuring out how to get it to market, getting the food license. So the whole entire COVID for the first the seven months, we were making renditions, we were fine tuning the recipe, we got our food license. And within about eight months, we were approved to actually sell the product. And so we start selling May 7th. Okay, so take us back to that eight month period. 
Mm-hmm. For anyone who's thinking about maybe starting a food-based business because they have this recipe that their grandmother has passed down for generations, yeah. where did you start? So you talked about license, but is that the first step you took? Yeah. I mean, I think the first place people go to is a search online to, to show like how to start food business in your state. Mm-hmm. And so my husband did a search and he came across a resource called the Michigan Product, Michigan State University Product Center. And that's the thing. There's a lot of resources out there that if you're not aware of because you're not in the space, you don't know that they're made available to you. So he came across a resource at Michigan State University that's main purpose is to help people with the food idea, take it to market. And so that was our first touch point. And it was through their coaching that we began to learn some of the other processes, like having to get your nutritional facts, having to get a certificate, a safe surf certificate for you to be able to cook in a co-packing facility or in a, in a kitchen space. So it was a major learning experience. And it got to the point where, and this is really because of the pandemic and the children had to be, you know, start homeschooling. My husband made the choice to leave a six-figure, six-figure, he was the breadwinner, Okay. And he left his position because of how much faith he had in what you created. Yeah, there was that much, how much faith. I mean, of course, we're very spiritual. I have to say that we we are very spiritual by nature. So we like to always go by what we hear God, you know, telling us and saying to us. But it was just like, what do you do? Does he keep trying to hold on to this? high paying position that has taken up all his time, but his circumstances have changed. His children are now homeschooling. We have two children homeschooling. I run a full, I run a full business. I cannot possibly run a full business and take care of the children in the middle of a pandemic, you know? And so we thought, well, I can generate the kind of revenue to keep us afloat and to keep us going You know, I just had to retweak some things, close a few more contracts, whatever. And I was able to double my revenue and to keep us as a buffer so that he could leave his six figure, help us help with the the children at home and build this business. So we had a timeline. We were like, listen, I can do this. There's a lot of pressure on me, but let's give ourselves some some a timeline. And so my husband went to work. I mean, every day figuring out who to talk to, what to do. He's the one that studied for the for the certificate to get the safe surf license. What does that entail for that license? You have to know, you know, there's a lot of rules and regulations around safety food precautions. Mm -hmm. And so everyone has to take a particular test in order for them to be able to be producers of any food. Mm -hmm. It's a state law. I think it's state by state, but you have to get a certificate for you to even enter into a kitchen that you're able to generate, make food that you could sell. And so there's a lot of procedures around your nutritional facts. You have to get it approved. So you have to have a dietitian look at the ingredients and ensure that I can even show you actually have our box here. So like nutritional facts, Mm -hmm. you have to get this done in order for you to apply for a food license. So there's steps. So the product center, what we found online was kind of our coaching. They supported us in the process. And then they start to connect you with other people. You do your research and you kind of just keep pressing forward. But with COVID, a lot of delays, a lot of challenges, and you kind of just figure it out. Our main focus was nailing down our recipe in a way that was marketable and that it could work for the customer base we wanted to attract. And, and- at scale as well. Because sometimes you find that it's... It- tastes good in your kitchen when you're making that small batch, but when now you have to make a batch like that contains 10,000 units, is it still going to taste the same? 
Exactly. And that's why you need your nutritional facts because it's all based on ounces. It's based on, you know, the, the measurement of your ingredients to ensure that you can do that. So we, trust me, we had a lot of trials and tribulations in it. They got to a point where I think we almost felt like we lost our recipe mm. as the patties weren't tasting the same way as they originally were. And so we went through a lot of different renditions and we find, I mean, one time my husband accidentally, we made a batch that we had to throw away. It was like over 200 patties. It, the consistency wasn't right. Mm-hmm. So we had to throw it away. And so that's how, kind of how we got, that's how we got started. And once you get your certificate, your safe serve certificate, once you get your nutritional facts, you have to then start thinking about packaging because you kind of have to have all these things in place before your state's food inspector comes and inspects your entire process. So you have to get a food license. People sell without their food license, but it, they can put you in jeopardy mm-hmm. and they can put their company in jeopardy if, if, if they're found out. And we didn't want to risk that. So we were only giving out samples. So we turned homeschooling, our homeschooling, our children, we turned it into entrepreneurship. People ask me all the time, oh, how's homeschooling going? I'm like, listen, I don't know if they know their math or their <laughs> English, but I can tell you they know how to run a business. So <laughs> they are young. They will pack up. I don't know how to assess them there, but I can tell you they know how to run a business and they know how to package. And that's that's the best I was able to do during COVID. Well, were you using an in-home kitchen at this point or were you able to find a commercial kitchen? So you can start in your in-home kitchen to create your recipe. However, for you to get approved for a food license, you have to identify a co packing facility or a shared kitchen space, excuse me, shared kitchen space or co-packing facility in your surrounding area. It has to be an approved location. So your state has a list of approved, vetted co-packing facilities and shared kitchens in your state, in your city, perhaps. You have to identify it. You connect with them. You have to build rapport. You have to, they also have to kind of accept like, "Mm, I think I like your product. Yeah, you can work in this kitchen. You can work because at the end of the day, that co-working space or that shared kitchen wants to generate revenue as well. So they they have to see the potential in your product. So once you find the co-working space or the co-packing facility and the shared kitchen space, I'm going to use the right terms, then you make an appointment with your inspector Mm -hmm. and you have to do the whole process in that facility. Once you're approved for a food license, it is specific to that facility. You can't just be um, hop into different facilities or you have to get another approval. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's how the process works to start to, to get going. And so March 4th was the day we got our approval. I remember we, we couldn't go in because of COVID regulations, but my the children and I sat in a car, Don went in to do the demonstration. It took forever, forever. I was like, Oh my God, what is going on in there? I started praying in the car, putting on some gospel music. And then he finally comes out and he's like, got the license. I'm like, ah! we can start selling. Oh my goodness. We can start selling. So that's, that's, I hope that kind of gives a linear Mm -hmm. pathway for those who are interested in starting a food license. Think about it as possible. You just have to understand the laws, procedures around it. And a lot of it is just searching online and finding an institution that does it, that can help you and guide you along the way. And then of course, there's a lot of food business coaches out there that you can also connect with. Okay. At this point, you guys are poised to sell, but it's one thing to have the product and something entirely different to market. So how are you getting yourselves out there? Because I know you're giving samples locally where you are, but how are people going to know about this? 
You're absolutely right. And I think we're very fortunate in that I was already running a digital tech company, which is what I do full time. And so my other company has been behind the entire branding of the product. So I can show you, this is our cruise burger. This is the branding of the product. This was the box that we used to get approved. However, this box is changing because it's not the most efficient box to ship our products. And so my digital tech company that builds e-commerce websites, mobile apps, I got to work and I started building our entire infrastructure. And I actually learned about that. So I built our website, a custom website on a WordPress platform, and I connected it to a POS system for those who may be interested. It's called QuickBooks Commerce. QuickBooks has a, a commerce portal that helps with food or product-based businesses track inventory and you can connect it to your, your WooCommerce, WooCommerce platform and then it connects to ShipStation for you to ship. So we have kind of a two-pronged strategy. Our main strategy is to get into restaurants locally here in Michigan first because you don't have to think about packaging cost. It's really just per patty. And so it's just so much cheaper to just focus on the patty and then have the, the restaurants sell it on retail Mm -hmm. um, part of a meal. As you describe that, Beyond Burger, I believe is their name, mm -hmm. comes to mind where mm -hmm. it's, I think, taking a little bit of time for their name to be synonymous with an alternative for burgers. But now you can not only find it in your freezer aisles, but they've partnered with restaurants and you, you can get a Beyond Burger option on their menu. Absolutely. So how are you starting those conversations with restaurants? Absolutely. Beyond and Impossible, of course, are our competitors. And we've been we've been aligning ourselves and just kind of doing our competitive analysis on both. I think our ad, ad advantage that we like to share is that our patties look and feel like meat. However, they're not as processed because our base is mushrooms, as opposed to Beyond and Impossible, where they're mainly like protein, textured vegetable ingredients, where our base is mainly mushrooms. And so it gives you that healthy medium of not wanting to eat a veggie burger, like a kale burger or a bean burger, perhaps, but also not wanting to eat something that you feel like is actually not healthy, even though it's not meat, which oftentimes the beyond and impossibles of the world gives you that feeling or that impression. Like it looks like it's meat, but you know, it's not meat. So is this processed? Like, what is this made of? And so ours is like this healthy medium where it looks like an impossible burger, but it's mainly mushrooms and other veggie ingredients, but it has the texture of meat. And so we're really excited to kind of address some of those pain points that people have felt in this healthy eating journey where they don't want to, you know, they want to, they want alternatives, but they don't want to feel like they're eating something that's fake uh, or fake. And so in terms of our marketing, we're really, ex we're really excited about it. We've had great feedback. We've had a lot of feedback with our samples. And so we tweaked things and we used to be much bigger. We had six, I think it was like a six ounce burgers and now they're quarter pounders because someone told us it was too, too big. It was too, you know, too hard to eat. So we reworked the size. And so my husband really wants to push restaurants, but I'm an e-commerce girl. I understand the power of online. And so in a few days, we'll actually release orders, pre-orders. We're working with partners at UPS and a lot of different partners to get frozen food products. Now with COVID, it's more common now for these type of subscription boxes, shipments of food. And so the industry has made it easier for us as a new business to ship a frozen food product because of COVID, everything was being shipped. Right. And for us, we just think it's timely and it's a timely alignment. And so we want to leverage every opportunity 
that the pandemic has created for us to be successful. And it's very healthy. There's been a lot of benefits to mushrooms. They call it the meat of vegetables. And so even if you're not a mushroom eater, don't like mushrooms, it doesn't taste like mushrooms at all. Well, I'm looking forward to testing it out. But so to go back to your strategy for reaching out to the restaurants, what has your approach been and have they been receptive? Yeah, you know, I think right now everyone is looking for an advantage point as they're coming back up and they're re-emerging out of COVID for after being shut down. So we've been contacting, our strategy has been contacting a lot of the specialty restaurants because we do understand that our price, while it is very comparative to impossible and beyond, it's much more expensive than going to like a McDonald's, right? And so we're very clear about that, but we are finding different ways to make it available to everybody because it is very focused on, there's a social equity aspect to what we're doing. We want it to be made available to those who may not have the funds to eat healthier because eating healthy is expensive. It can be very expensive, right? So our strategy has been contacting specialty restaurants, restaurants who want to provide plant-based foods, but don't necessarily have their own recipes. Mm. So there's a lot of restaurants who are plant-based, but they don't make their own per se recipe, their own burger patties. They get impossible or they find a local, you know, they're looking for those alternatives. And so that's where, that's what we've been approaching right now. Are, are you the, labeling the the burger patties for them? Nope. They're, they're going to be selling them as cruise burgers. So it'll just be cruise burgers on their menu the same way you can go to a restaurant and see impossible food, impossible burger. It'll just say cruise burger on their menu. Yeah. So it's not white labeled. They're just um, wholesaling, getting it at wholesale price, and then they're listing it on their restaurants. And so our marketing to them is too, is once we have these locations, our whole marketing is to send people to these locations to get more foot traffic. So it's a win-win because we've already made our money in the wholesale, but people want access to these burgers. They may not want to buy it online. They may want to experience it in a restaurant. So we're marketing their 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 locations as well online. And so really it's a win-win. But for right, right now, I'm pushing the e-commerce because we, as a marketer, as a digital tech entrepreneur, I've been building our mailing list for this since last May when we announced that we were we were on this journey to bring it to market. So I quickly put up a lead form on, on our website, told the story of how it started and people have been excited since. And so we go live in a few days to start selling uh, the products online and we'll start shipments in June. And we also got into a, it's called Eastern Market here in Detroit. It's very big. You have to go through a selection process. So we were selected to actually vend starting in June at Eastern Market downtown, which will give us the foot traffic and engage with people like restaurant owners, buyers, and things of that nature. So yeah, it's been a journey. Exciting. Congratulations. So how do you make Pooh's Burgers a household name? How are you going to get it out there? Oh my goodness. You know, I saw this really inspirational video on social media the other day, and I think it was a preacher and he began to list. He said, Maybach is a last name. Wells Fargo is a last name. And you start to listen to all these places that are actually Pillsbury. Pillsbury is a last name. Wells, Welch's grapefruit juice is a last name. Wells Fargo, Gucci, Maybach. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. All these places and institutions that we say that they're just a norm for us is actually someone's legacy, someone's last name. And so we have a similar conviction around Cruz Burger. Really, the, the, as much as my last name is Doc Cruz, 
we didn't go into this thinking we're going to name it Cruise Burger. We actually had a different name, which I'm glad that it didn't work out because God is amazing and he just gives us direction. But we actually had originally called it Angel Burger because we felt like God had blessed us with an angel during COVID with this idea that would, you know, kind of help us get out of whatever rut we were experiencing during COVID. But we didn't get the trademark. It wouldn't be filed because someone else had the trademark Angel Burger or something. It was weird. There's another trademark called Angel Burger, which I, somehow I didn't find in our initial search, but that's another story. And so we said, let's do Cruise Burger. And the reason why we chose Cruise Burger is because Cruise actually means of the cross. It means the cross. And so when we think of a cross, we think of a crossroads. We think of an intersection. People go through intersections, crossroads all the time. We went through one during COVID. Mm-hmm. And we just felt like, man, if we could create a nutritional meal that allow people, even when they're going through crossroads, to come together and experience it together as a family or as a unit, then we've done our part in helping people to navigate life and life experiences. And so Cruise really goes beyond our name Da Cruz means of the cross in um, Portuguese, but in Spanish or in other countries or Brazil, Cruz itself means of the cross as well. And so it's really for us to help people to kind of come to this intersection of healthy eating, of family, of life. And so our goal is to communicate that and for people to, and anchor people into that message and then enjoying it over some food. And so with marketing, with partnerships, my husband is very committed to getting it into schools as an alternative, getting it into schools, getting into hospitals. And so as much as we are looking for retail, we are looking to get it partnerships into different institutions where it could be the main patty that is used as a burger, as a burger. And then of course, I do business in Africa, so I will be growing a mushroom farm in Africa and selling it across the continent. So it, it, we have big visions for for cruise burgers around the world. I'm really excited to see all of that come to fruition because when you named Impossible Burger, Beyond Burger, and then to say cruise burgers in the same sentence is amazing. And clearly this is something that is needed. My husband has also been on that journey of figuring out He's tried the Impossible Burger. He's trying to figure out what alternative healthy foods can he bring into the household. So to see something like that come out is phenomenal. Now, as you look back on your journey so far, if anyone is starting on this journey to build a food-based business, what would you encourage them to think about? What would you encourage them to sidestep as they're starting their journey? Yeah, absolutely. What to think about. You know, sometimes you can get caught up in the excitement of you individually thinking that what you created is great, but we've always rooted ourselves in what problem are we solving in the current environment and how do we lead from the future with this product? And so we did a lot of work around understanding what's happening in the meat market industry because you know with covid we 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 learned that the virus came out of a meat market in china we saw plants shutting down we we just saw the conversation shifting around meat and what people and how people were relating to it so when we, when you're starting a food business or you're starting any endeavor you want to understand what pain point you're addressing and if that pain point is long term or if it's just a fad or a phase And so we know that the vegan culture, the plant-based culture, it's growing rapidly around the world. And so we needed to find a solution that even if you loved meat, you would be happy with this alternative because you thought that you were eating meat, but you were really eating the veggie of meat, which Mm -hmm. is mushrooms. And that's how, that's what took us from just 
the initial excitement of, oh my God, we came upon a recipe to how can this impact the community? My husband has even talked to me about ultraviolet light to use over the mushrooms because it creates vitamin D in the mushrooms and people lack vitamin D. There's a vitamin D deficiency around the world. Okay. And so if our mushrooms can help increase vitamin D, we're now addressing another nutritional issue. Mm -hmm. So he's really the leader of the nutritional aspect. I'm just the tech girl that's just getting the word out. <laughs> so I like to give him credit for that. And so what to sidestep? You've got to, you've got to sidestep this initial desire to shortcut delayed gratification, right? I, I tell people all the time, delayed gratification is my most secret weapon. It's the most secret weapon. You know, when you have a new food idea or business, you want to get the word out. You want people to know. You want to, sometimes you do things too prematurely, right? So like sidestep this idea, this notion that everyone needs to know, that everyone's going to like it right away and just do the groundwork and build your foundation really deep. Build it really deep and be okay with delayed gratification because the truth of the matter is delayed gratification for us in this process looked like my husband leaving a six-figure job. It looked like, you know, my children homeschooling. There was a lot of sacrifice in the, in the beginning, but we were fine with the delayed gratification because we knew and we know deeply are convicted around the impact this is going to make in the world and where it's going to go as a household name, as a household product. And so I hope that answered the question, but people need to sidestep this desire of exception from mainstream, you know, business owners and, and wanting kind of those applauds because it'll, it'll come, the work will speak for itself and it'll come right back to you as the owner and creator of, of the product. Oh, I love that. But for anyone who's thinking, man, I don't have the money to do this. What would you say to them? How much has it taken to bring this product to market? Yeah, absolutely. We didn't, we didn't start with like, we, we didn't, we, this was not a planned event. So there was no budget created and that's why you have to tap into the resources. And so you kind of just take it one step at a time and you scale with it. And so we would go and buy maybe a hundred dollars of mushrooms and we would make as many patties as possible. Right. And we, and we would increase it. And, and, and to be honest, I guess in Michigan, I can only speak for Michigan. And no, no, I can speak for New Jersey too because I'm helping another person launch a food business. It doesn't really actually cost that much to start a food business. Really what's going to cost you is when you start scaling the scaling the product. So right now we're in conversations around the equipment that we'll need to expedite our patty, the actual carving out of the patties. Because right now we have like a handheld machine that takes a long time. And so you actually don't need a lot of money to start. I mean, you're ready. Your nutritional facts may cost you a couple hundred, depending upon how many ingredients you have. Getting the safe serve certificate, I think will only cost a hundred and maybe 70 something dollars to, to take the test and get your certificate. What other cost was there? And then of course, the cost of building your e-commerce website, you know, but that only depends on how robust you want to make it, you know, on your branding, but you can start at a low cost and build it up. It doesn't, this is not like an investment of a 50,000 or not even 10,000. I mean, you could really get it going with a couple thousand dollars, maybe, maybe we spent getting the most expensive for us was building our e-commerce and our branding, but that's because I use my best team on it. I had a vision for the branding. And so, but you don't, it doesn't cost much. You can really start it up relatively uh, small and scale, scale it up. For anyone now who's excited to get 
a cruise burger in their kitchens, where can they find you? Where can they order? Yeah, cruiseburgers.com. That's C-R-U-Z, burgers.com. You can find all the information on that website, um, where to find us locally, and also how to order online so we can ship directly to your doorstep. Oh, that sounds good. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today, W.E. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. This is the first interview on Cruise Burgers, so I'm really excited about it. And hopefully the next time we talk, we'll have some really great updates on on impact in the world and in the community concerning Cruise Burgers. So thank you so much. Thank you. Hi, Offscripters. I'm so glad you made it to the end of this episode. If you enjoy listening to our show, please pay it forward by sharing us with your network. Between episodes, you can find me on Instagram. Our handle is at She's Off Script, or you can catch up on past episodes at She's Off Script.com. See you on the next one.